What's up, guys? Welcome to another exciting edition of Real Estate Podcast, episode 336. I'm here with Griffin. I'm here with Trav. And I'm staying the hell away from my front door when it's got a lot of light coming from it without it. Dude, that <laughs> bitch couldn't find no wood laying around? No. Something, like, gonna put a blanket over it? I mean, no. dude, thank, thank God for rag, ragdoll physics. Am I right? Yeah. She went full I mean, under. I mean, when yeah, when that thing flung her around, she just stabs it in the head. I'm like, wait, there's still like almost an hour left of this movie. Yeah. Danny Bonaduce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danny Bonaduce. Uh, I liked it, man. Yeah. This was a fun. This was a fun movie. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I I love the little. Uh, I love this thing that they're doing with hiding UFOs inside the clouds. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Like it, it, it like it, it had a, it had like a mix of uh, Independence nope. Day and Note vibes. Even when you see yeah. the bottom of the ship, <laughs> yeah, had that big hole. Well, I was just, getting yeah. the way that they did the lighting effects and everything gave some super strong Close Encounters vibes, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, yeah, it's just a mishmash of all the great movies. And I think the, my favorite part, because like, okay, like, you know, when everything's going down, you see that little, you see that little circle in her backyard at the beginning. Yeah. And oh, when like, she tries okay. to water it. Yeah. Well, yeah. then when she gets out of the house, she's hauling ass down the road and you get the drone shot. Mm hmm. And as she's running, you're seeing them holes and everybody else, and you're like, oh, fuck, it's an invasion. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. And the fact that ultimately this is just a, this movie was pretty much just a reskinned invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. Because that's what I started calling that Adam's apple hugger or whatever the fuck do you want to call it. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. I saw it and I was like, dude, that's a body snatcher, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> And the and then all of a sudden the ending decides to be like let's just turn into midsummer, yeah right, <laughs> legit you know like, nah it was it was done so well man like <clears throat> to me somebody was like that the 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 writer was watched a quiet place and was like I think I can do this but I think I can do it a little bit better, and it's like okay. Cause it, oh. you know, it kind of gave me a quiet place vibes. Nobody, yeah. I mean that they didn't say, but like one sentence through the whole movie, pretty much, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. The only sentence was when she apologized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was a cool ass scene. Cause she just shoves her hand down her throat and it cuts to reality. And she's pulling the fucking body snatcher out of her throat. Yeah. Did yeah. y'all notice the that girl's was, face was, was cool. like when you're in a dream. Yeah. And people's then, face that you can't like, you know, it's them, but it looks kind of weird. Yeah, you can't make out it's the not features clear. correctly. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a cool touch. Yeah. Yeah, and like the... Because, um, yeah, that was what... It was a combination of that and... What else was it? But yeah, when that scene was going down and she's just like... I'm like the, like the minute she saw the other girl, you know? Yeah. You're like, uh, okay, so she's been taken over. And I thought it was probably going to end with just like a really, I don't know, maybe I was expecting it to go even further off the rails yeah. where it's like, she's just going to be in this dream state. 
It's like whenever and, we die, we become aliens. You know, yeah, <laughs> some weird shit, you know. And then it flips on its head to where, like, you know, at the end, you you see you see the same reveal basically, but like everyone's just it's like it's a downer. But I will still say, is. like, if there's going to be an alien invasion, not a bad way to go out. Like, just kind of living in your little dream world. Yeah, I mean, I mean. And that's what all those people were doing. They I mean, were just, I'd pick that over. Well, uh, getting experimented on. <laughs> yeah, like a fucking one movie, Fire in the Sky. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and I've always, I've always enjoyed those, those tropes that they use in sci-fi, or even you know a lot of fantasy stuff, where it's an entity that's able to latch onto your mind. Yeah, and it was definitely right like, in her mind. And you know, it's just. Whenever she would go from, for the table and it just flipped it mm-hmm. and it was like, Mm-mm. Oh, I was man, like, wait yeah. a minute, this dude's trying to talk. Yeah. You know, he's, he's interested in something here, but dude, they didn't waste no time. 10 no, minutes uh, in, yeah. it's like alien. Yeah. Did not expect to get to see that thing for a while. And it was like, Oh damn, there it no, is. Right out of yeah. the game. With his fucking oh. toe fucking feet. Finger <laughs> <Wow>. hands. <laughs> I also like that they even went as far to be like, you know, there's a hierarchy. We're not yeah. going to dabble into it much, but just know that like, you know, like, cause you know, you'd see that huge one. That's more or less like, well, he's a, what you call across, it? Like a cross right, between right. a, like, well, at the airport, like the gray, or the guys with the lights, uh, he was out there. Like, oh, the air traffic control. Yeah, he's out there. <laughs> Bring you oh, Dean. Yeah. Which the, way creepy. Doing, yeah. you know, the way he was doing his R's, I was like, I was what like, the fuck? Doing? And then they yeah. had like the little minions. Yeah, you could tell little... like, they didn't really care about those. Nah. nah, it's just a little. I mean, she was fucking him up, though. Like, she for a minute. I mean, she those. refused to die. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really pity her because she was living a good life, even though it was an exile. Yeah, for real, right? I mean, you know, classic Cain and Abel moment, you know, but dude, in the cornfield. Well, if you go all the way, if you ride a bicycle all the way to town mm-hmm. and you walk in the cop, now we know why. Cause the whole time I'm like, when are they going to let us know what happened? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's her fault somehow, but don't know how yet. Clearly an accident. I mean, they were fighting, but yeah, you know, I mean, she had a glass chin. Yeah. It's not her fault. <laughs> uh, but if you get all the way to the police station, yeah, you're telling them what happened, right? I, I mean, mean, you you've got a dead. I'm alien. like, I'm somebody's taking me back, like, dude. I'm putting the, <laughs> I need I'm throwing the alien in the car because the car was still functional. I was, dra- I would drag that motherfucker and put it in the back of my vehicle. She couldn't drive it. She tried. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It was fried. Yeah. Whenever she got in there was yeah when before she yeah. rode the bike. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. later that one got stuck in it, and it was like, oh, remember <laughs> that lighter you had? When I saw that shit dripping, I was like, lighter. Yeah. We Boom. prepared for this, but we yeah. we have items for this quest. <laughs> you know, go in your inventory. Yeah. <laughs> Press select. Go into inventory. You know? Equip the lighter. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll the my favorite part though was. Whenever she fries the big one and she goes back in the house, the little one's in there fucking around. And then one of the 
I don't know, medium-sized ones, I guess you'd say. I'd say the smart ones, because that's the ones that were inside. Whenever she got in the yeah. ship that put their finger on her head, they were like, phone home. They phone home yeah. her. So, Ouch. whenever she walks in that room and that red light comes through the window and she just stops, Yeah. that was the cool, and then she starts floating up. It was and, cool how it rotated her. Yeah, it was, it was like awesome, this. dude. Oh, the, the, the lights were also probably the creepiest part. Mm-hmm. And they did the classic fire in the sky, like the dude going up into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and whenever like, she kicked him, it was like his, he was all bent backwards, mm-hmm. all weird. Half of him dude. was in it. Yeah, that was nuts, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, like just, yeah, just the idea that like it wasn't more or less, light. it was a full on beam and anything in it. You were under whatever you were under the control of it, yeah. and that that parrot. So the alien was like a shell. That parasite was the thing, because mm-hmm. when that one died, you know she saw the trail where it crawled that little snail trail. Yeah, they had to go back home. Well, and whenever she pulled it out and threw it on the ground, they beamed it up. Yeah, I mean, they're bringing them home. All right, you know? so really, she didn't hurt nobody. I mean. So no, I mean, really. so, wait. So y'all are thinking that the body snatcher was the being, and the creature was the just like the suit. Yeah, I mean, even with the aliens, whenever they would talk and like when you'd see them, their the throat, throat would be would be doing the. Well, did the you notice the way special. they would drive the the body was like it would turn. Yeah, it wasn't like it was. Yeah. It was weird and, the way it would move. Yeah, and the way that the big one would fall off the house and stuff, like it was clumsy as shit. Like, I thought, this is what I thought was going to happen. I thought that they were going to show up and it was going to be a whole War of the Worlds situation where it's like, they're gonna, they're getting sick and it's, you know, COVID's fucking with them or yeah, whatever. COVID sure. <laughs> yeah, COVID's infected the, the aliens. Vaccinated blood. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that was going to cause them to just not be, you know, be able to do what they're set out to do. But no, I'm glad that they like followed through with it. And well, what's crazy now that you mentioned COVID, um, the uh, body sma- snatcher, smatcher, <laughs> the body smasher, <clears throat> but, uh, no, the, the small, uh, thing looked like it kind of favors the spike protein. Yeah, it did. Like, and, uh, you know, if you think about it, aliens and COVID have been the doomsday scenarios outside of nuclear war. Uh, yeah. And, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're gonna, if we're gonna look at sci-fi as a crazy commentary on anything, you know, well, you know, everybody else got vaccinated. She was she didn't want to get vaccinated. They, they showed up her have it. Like, She needs to die. <laughs> the whole town hated her. Yeah. It's like y'all. This shit happened when she was like seven. Well, you know? Yeah. Like she was. Come on. They were. They just. They were fucking over it. With the her, mom dude. spit in her face. But I still didn't feel bad because, dude, she was kind of living it up pretty nicely in that house. Yeah. Well, she was awesome. alienated. sheesh but uh so the ending trav what what was your take on the ending of the flick 
uh, I mean, I feel like it was pretty kind of like just. I, I didn't. It didn't feel too metaphorical. I think she somehow linked, uh, and I feel like maybe she probably wasn't the only one. But I think for the main character, I think she just accepted the reality of the situation. And it kind of, because the aliens understood her, they made... Because she was like a loner? Yeah, they made the slaves accept her. There's one of two. It's either that or that was her dream world. Yeah. When I was when I was finished with it, I was like, okay, so they've either they're like, okay, well, she had a pretty shitty life. I mean, she can hang. I mean, look, she's putting flags and shit up for us, like, yeah, bringing us flowers yeah. and waving. But like, and then like with the dance scene, the reason I go into uh, was she dreaming because it was like too perfect, like a movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole like everybody loves me. Yeah. yeah, it did have a sense of like either she was dead well, like or like looking at the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That definitely crossed, it definitely crossed my mind. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting though. And I mean, when the movie went off, I didn't feel let down by any stretch of the imagination. I loved how they did the flashback sequences, if you want to call it that, where they were, you know, oh, yeah. kind of tapping tapping into her mind everything was all red and like, like you know holograms yeah that was that was super cool um i like how they you know that the way that they reworked or not really reworked but the the way that they use storytelling to where like most of the time like like you guys said it's like we don't think that we're going to get to see the alien until like 45 minutes into the movie you know? Yeah. And and they show that like right up front. Within 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, we're in. We're seeing aliens. She's hiding from them. There's weird toe feet things going on. The thing that they purposefully hold back the entire movie is what happened with yeah. her and her friend and why everybody is treating her the way that she is. So it was a nice, you know, because think about this as a standard, like, you well, know, normally whatever. Normally it would be the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was... Well, it was a perfect tool to also keep her silent the whole film. Dude, I mm-hmm. didn't even realize there was no talking until y'all said that. Yeah. Like, she like, doesn't that's say how I didn't even notice. She apologizes, yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's the only thing that's said is her, her apologizing. That's the only thing. So I think on the trivia on IMDb here, let me see. Because I was looking at the trivia the other day. Um... Well, maybe it's not here. I read it somewhere, but it was like an hour and 10 minutes into the movie before like the first words are spoken. Well, when she goes into town, maybe no, it was whenever they put the, uh, the thing inside of her and she's seeing her f- friend in the dream oh, world. Okay. And she apologizes to her. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, those aliens were chatting up a storm, but yeah. I even tried to cut the not work. Yeah. 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 It's like, what? In alien speak, they were like, vitals are normalizing, stabilizing, stabilizing. Dude, when that one started like screaming. Yeah. That thing, when it got mad, I was like, oh. 
We should take this movie and and overdub the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll dude, I would be one hundred percent down to like write dialogue for these aliens and we just dub it over and release like no one will save you the defi- the the definitive cut or whatever. Yeah. Turns into a comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is crazy yeah. bitch. Yeah. I'm gonna get you, bitch. Falls off the roof. Oh, I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay. My foot's stuck in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yo, yo, Tyrone, send some help. Up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I loved it. Like, this is definitely something that if I, if they ever release it, like, physically and I see it in the wild, I'm picking it up. Because, I mean, to me, this goes on the shelf with Fire in the Sky and, you know, those types of flicks. It's been a long time since we've had, like, a true alien type horror flick like this. I mean, <clears throat> me personally, I would put this up there with like signs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like as far as like quality storytelling, the whole nine yards, I would definitely throw this up there with Shemalama Ding Dong, you know? So I really fucking loved it. I could rewatch it right now and not be upset. And I'm sure every time that you watch it, there's more stuff that you would pick up because like, yeah, you know, the, that first alien shows up fucking around in the house and there's a lot like the way that they did a lot of the the horror el- like scenes and the horror elements in the flick, like you're hyper focused on what's happening in the moment. You don't see all the other shit that's going on around. So like I would be super interested in checking checking it back out just from that perspective. And then dude, we can't forget he rips the door off the hinges and uh-huh. hits her with it so hard, dude. I was like, God damn. Whoa. Uh, I think another really uh, good one, like another good aspect of the movie too, was that, uh, you know, it like, it, it doesn't play on tropes like, uh, or it didn't play on like what's going on now, you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't a disclosure movie, you know, it wasn't a movie where they go talk to the crackpot. that's like, I've been talking about aliens for years, guys. Like it was, it was very original. Yeah. And the stuff that it references, it was just, you know, it felt like it, well, just like, like that, it just, it referenced it, you know? Right. Yeah, so the dude that wrote and directed it, Brian Duffield, or Duffield, uh, he has wrote in the previous uh, Skull Island series. Is this like Skull Island? Yeah, so the animated Skull Island series that's on Netflix. Love and Monsters, Spontaneous, The Babysitter, Killer Queen, Underwater, The Babysitter. I guess that was a spinoff to that. Jane Got a Gun, The Divergent Series, Insurgent, and a short called Quarantine, and then directed Spontaneous and No One Will Save You. So, I mean, based off of what this dude was able to do with this, which I haven't seen. Fuck all that other shit. He needs to keep writing this type of shit. It very much felt like a passion project, you know? Yeah. Like, he had an idea for 
a sweet little sci-fi flick. So Underwater was a 2020 flick that came out that had Kristen Stewart and um, a crew of oceanic researchers working for a deep sea drilling company try to get to safety after a mysterious earthquake devastates their deep water research and drilling facility located at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. I think we watched the trailer for this. We watched the trailer for that other one too. The Spontaneous? Uh, Love and Monsters? Yep, Love and Monsters. Yeah. So. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm giving it a full star. Would totally love... Love to pick this up physically. Full yeah, star. Full star and uh, absolutely a, a, a buy recommendation. Yeah. So good, man. Speaking of good, what about Loki? I'm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was laying it on thick, wasn't he? Oh, Victor Timely. Yeah. That clock's like in love with him, dude. Thirsty. It got kind of yeah. It got kind of yeah. Why never come? You never made me body. It's like because you're getting on my nerves. <laughs> <clears throat> and he's like, I don't. You don't know me. Like you don't know this version. Like I don't know. It was very well done. And for it to be so, something. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. So whenever they go back to his laboratory, whenever. The, the episode's playing out, and we're you know not long after actually the whole creepy miss minutes thing. Well, when he grabs that little object, yeah, the thing from Ant Man. Is that what it was? It was okay. I, exactly I, I, what it was. I felt like because the way it retracted back, I was yeah. like, I've seen some There's shit. That do pie, that, that thing in Ant Man. Yeah, it's his TARDIS, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Little but, mini version. I mean, dude, this I can't believe a show called a show about Loki is kicking more ass than like any of the other IPs right now in Marvel. Yeah. And I think it's all down to Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, dude. They are killing it. Oh yeah, yeah. Their their whole back and forth, and then like, <clears throat> I love, like, look, we haven't. I don't think there's been any like outcome from the whole Jonathan Majors IRL stuff that's been going on. But like, speaking to him as an actor, like, he's played Kang or versions of Kang several times now, and each one is different and unique. And like, this Victor Timely is like. You know, he had the, of course, had the same mannerisms and all that stuff as, you know, man at the, at the end of time or whatever they called him, the one at the end of time. But, um, like, his whole thing where he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was just, it was very well done. He's he's a phenomenal actor. Oh, there's, there's, no, there's no recasting of that guy. No, no. It's, um, it's also yeah. something... Uh... Something my wife pointed out, um, or or maybe I was just just ignorant because I was just I was just kind of like whenever like any time Majors is on screen or Mobius and 
and uh, um, Loki are like they're, they're all they've all been really good at like like holding your attention, you know, like they're, yeah, it's just been really good writing. But that device behind him on stage is that what's melting down at the TVA right now? That's what it looks like. Yeah. Like I a think bigger that's version a, of that thing that Disney yeah. made. I think that that's like a prototype version of it. Yeah, because I, I was sitting there watching it with the wife, and she goes, that's what the fuck that is. That's the damn... Because the way it's laid out is the way it's presented when it, it cuts to, you know, present time or, you know... Current show time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I like this whole, and I wonder if they're going to use Loki as a catalyst to introduce you to different versions of Kang. Because, yeah. like, <clears throat> I mean, in reality, this could just be a one-off Kang that just, like, he could be vaporized at the end of the, or at the beginning of the next episode, and they have to go try to find another version of him to bring him to the TVA to stop everything from melting down or whatever. Like, they they could really take it far out there if they really wanted to. You know what I mean? So I yeah. wonder how far that that they're planning on taking it and um what they're going to uh what what their plan is moving forward. Cause if they stick with this version of Kang, hundred percent for it. If they uh, decide to branch out and go different, hundred percent for it. There's no wrong move they could make, you know? Well yeah, and I think I think it's it's gonna I think it'll exactly be that because Loki is like it's it's a good way for it's a good way to show just how much Kang like Kang is going to ultimately be the reason why whenever we finally when the MCU timeline finally converges back to the sacred timeline and we get just one level of continuity kind of like at the end of the infinity saga where Thanos te- uses the stones and then destroys the stones so they can't ever be used again. And then they use time travel to get them, and then they destroy the time travel machine. Yeah. So time travel's gone now. I feel like they're going to make it to where we're going to converge the multiverse down into one because you can't stop Kang. Yeah, right. So the only way to stop Kang is to prevent Kang. <laughs> And I I feel like Loki's a good way of showing all the different variants, all the different myriad adventures that, you know, for these, like the ones that are a threat, but not as threat as Kang the Conqueror, which will be obviously saved for the movies. Yeah. And I feel like Loki, if, because I was thinking about this while I was watching the episode, I know that in the past we've talked about this and Travis brought this up before about the, um, the whole conundrum, you know, this this moral dilemma about killing baby infant Kang. I feel yeah. like that they're they're exploring that right now in Loki. Because there's a lot of stuff that's happening. People want Kang for different reasons, different motivations and things like that. And I feel like Tom Hiddleston or Loki and and uh Mobius are gonna be the ones that are gonna toy with this idea more so than anybody else because like you have like the like the chaotic nature 
of like Miss Minutes and and uh, the other chick. Then you have like the lawful nature of like uh, Sylvie, and then you have them two kind of shoved in the middle, and they both represent a side. You know, Loki's a little bit more chaotic. Mobius is a little bit more lawful and all that stuff, but like each, but I think that they're, well, it's, they're it, sets, it sets the stage to have that debate on a very like well-written level for a show. Well, and, and not only that, but this is the thing that I think that they're going to be able to tap into that, like not your normal average MCU style of film is going to be able to tap into. They killed he who remains. He said that he'll be back sooner than she knows it. She said she's going to kill him regardless. But if if we look at this on a singular timeline level for a second, they killed Kang. The world split apart. They can influence the person that is going to be at the end of time now as opposed to whatever influences that that individual had the last time they did it. Does that make sense? Like, because you've got Miss Minutes, you've got them wanting to get a hold of Kang and wanting to put him in that position and feed him all this nonsense and feed him all this bullshit so that they can get what they want out of it. You've got Sylvie that wants to kill him that's going through this, you know, midlife crisis situation. Then you've got Loki and Mobius. Loki and Mobius are like the most level-headed people that are involved. <clears throat> Their involvement with he who remains or who is going to be he who remains could shape how everything is moving forward in such a dynamic way to where maybe com- maybe combining the timelines together into one timeline and and shedding all these other ones is not the right move. Maybe there's a way to fix that in the process. And since these two individual characters didn't exist the previous time that he got together, formed the TVA, did all that stuff, there's going to be a different outcome this time. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And I think to add, I guess to add or maybe just agree with you, it's, I personally think that he knew he was either going to live and things stay as they are, or he was probably banking that he was going to die. And I think that starts the great whack-a-mole where he has a contingency set up to where, like, someone's going to get the TVA manual regardless of who it is. Yeah. I think the, the uncertainty factor was that he wasn't expecting the Lokis to split at the end there and, and kind of have, like, different opinions because mm-hmm. the one thing that's been prevalent throughout the show is that this version of Loki we're seeing, Tom Hiddleston, he's different from all the others. Yeah. And he's actually, like, without coming out and saying it, he's trying to show that he's more than just the bad guy. Yeah. Which I feel like Marvel has to be careful with the whole let's turn the bad guys good yeah. thing because then that just eliminates all the stakes. Like why, why, why be worried that this guy's going to wreck everything when everyone's just going to be best friends in the end. Right. But I think Loki is probably the single best character just out of Tom Hiddleston's like acting 
seeing his story play out. He's if 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 this was Dragon Ball, Loki is Vegeta. Oh yeah, for sure. He's the yeah. OG that showed up to be an asshole but became a became being an asset, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like because it all it all comes down to season one's finale still. He who remains saying I'm going to come back to this room regardless of what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like in your, I think that was one of the few moments where it's just in the, in your face telling you like, yeah, I'm going to always come back here. So got to shut the multiverse down. Got to prevent me. Can't kill me. Cause I'll always be here. Yeah. Like you, like the, cause that's the thing too. We've only seen the council of Kang's in like post credit scene. Yeah. Or just a post credit scene actually. And who knows how how like who knows how far along they've got their shit together. I mean it seems like we're pretty far along in that whole part considering the the big, you know, Coliseum scene where they're all warping in. Right. And Lord knows what that's going to become, you know? Well, to me, it feels, this is what I personally feel like they're building up to. I think that, you know, we'll get the can't, the secret Wars stuff happen. And I think King dynasty is going to be like at some point, because Mobius is already going to be confirmed to be in Deadpool. I think at some point Mobius and Loki are going to show up once everything starts going haywire, I think Secret Wars is going to be that that haywire point. But they're going to show up and they're going to be like, we've got to stop this like insurrection, whatever you want to call it, this takeover of the TVA. Because like the Kings all know that whoever is he who remains controls everything or destroys everything. And I kind of feel like that that's going to be the thing. Like they're going to be trying to protect the TVA and by whatever means they do it, whether it's universe hopping, whether it's this, that, and the other, the, because they made a, they made a, a note to mention that like they pruned all the, the tangent universes, but they're re sprouting back up just as quickly as they're pruning them. They're re sprouting back up. So like, that's that, you know, that's done. Like you can't stop that from happening until, until you get the right person in the end there. And I feel like that that's what it's going to culminate to is them trying to protect the TVA and a specific version of Kang in particular. So, and I, and I know this is weird, but you know how, like, to, like to add to what you're saying, how the tangent timelines are branching? Mm-hmm. Well, the only reason those things would branch is because people are either going to it or leaving it. And to me, wouldn't that be the the OP Kang has like it's his time travel path? Like think of it like think of it in terms of Doctor Who. Eventually, you're gonna t- time travel so much that you're just everywhere all the time. Yeah. And those timelines branching back out are. It's like it's like Kane going back and riding all. Every time he dies somewhere, he'll show up and fix it. 
yeah. and we're just not seeing that part play out, you know? Right. I mean, that could very well be it. I think that, like, Loki is going to be the most important thing. Well, what what's going to be great is if, if we get Chris Hemsworth back for one more round of him playing Thor, it's going to be really awesome and really sad as fuck for Thor to see TVA Loki. Yeah. And they have that fucking moment for a second. Yeah. And Loki's like, I know what happens, man. You ain't got to, you know, because yeah. Thor's going to be like, I can't tell you because of blah, blah, blah. He's like, dude, I already saw it. Like, yeah. I know where I'm headed. And, you know, he gets a, he has a moment to tell, you know, Thor how he feels, I guess, as a brother, you know? Yeah. That's going to be sad as shit. I already know yeah. that. Right. Yeah, I agree. Because even the scene in Ragnarok when, uh, they're both sitting there with uh, Anthony Hopkins and yeah. Odin passes away in front of them. Like for a fun, for a funny ass movie, that was like a, you know, that was probably the, the realest scene in the movie next to maybe, you know, the whole, uh, Thor talking to him before he, you know, before he becomes ultimate Thor. And he's like, what are you like? Fuck that hammer, dude. What are you? The God of hammers. Or are you the God of fucking thunder, dude? Yeah. Get your balls ready, boy. You know? <laughs> but yeah, Loki has been phenomenal. I can't wait for the next episode. I love what they're doing with it. Loki's oh. definitely secured itself to me as the best thing that's come out on Disney plus. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, I, I agree with that 100%. I think it's original. Um, it It's a show that if you at least watch the first fucking, you, you don't have to have a long watch history of Marvel to fucking enjoy it. It, it tells you enough information that if you at least saw the fucking Avengers, that's, I mean, that's all you need to know, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very accessible oh, yeah. and and doesn't re- rely on stuff that if, you know, it because the thing that I think Marvel's got a problem with that it's got to fix too is entry points for these films now because there's so many. There's like 30 plus movies in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. And yeah. some of them, if you go in watching, you're going to be lost. Like, what the fuck? I mean, right. not that it matters, I guess. I mean, you, you get, everybody gets the lore dump at some point, but still, you know. Yeah. But, but that's neither news or anything, so. So, yeah, this, uh, the guy that, created loki wrote doctor strange he's writing secret wars <clears throat> if and an untitled star wars slash kevin feige project which may or may not come to fruition if i was kevin feige i would put this guy on not only secret wars but also the kang dynasty and you know whatever like whatever crossover stuff that they're doing he needs to be the person in charge he's absolutely killing it so But we got a little bit of movie news here. 
So, Pixar Chief slams Disney Plus for Elemental's poor opening weekend box office. So, Elemental was close to being one of Disney's biggest flops in 2023 and one of Pixar's biggest stumbles in its entire history. Fortunately, the film managed to reverse the performance it had during its opening weekend, exponentially improving its numbers. However, the situation of the latest Pixar releases is not good. And for Pixar boss Peter uh, Doctor, or Doctor, (laughs) I don't know, uh, it is all the fault of Disney+. Plus. Of the last six projects from the studio that first surprised the world with Toy Story in 94, half had their premiere exclusively on Disney Plus due to the pandemic. But Lightyear, which marked Pixar's return to the big screen after Soul, Luca, and Turning Red was a huge flop, not only because it grossed less than expected despite having been one of the most successful animated films of 2020, but because being part of a franchise as successful as Toy Story, no one imagined that it would perform so poorly. After its first weekend in theaters, it seemed that Elemental was going to follow the same path, even though it had received very good comments before its debut. To everyone's surprise, the weeks passed and the film improved its performance significantly and ended its theatrical run as the 12th highest grossing film of 2023, but those first weeks presented a horrible picture for for Pixar and its future. Speaking with the New York Times, Peter Docter, or Docter, reflected on how the existence of Disney Plus and the exclusive releases on the platform affected Elemental. There has been an overall shift in viewing habits as a result of the pandemic, but it's also specific to Disney Plus. We've told people, hey, all of this is going to be available to you on Disney Plus. Um, and then, of course, it goes into Pixar's future is both on the small screen and the big screen, which we kind of figured that, you know, they're going to have their Disney Plus productions along with their feature film productions. But, I mean, look, in reality, the the pandemic just, it cemented the idea of, I don't have to watch this right now. I can watch this when it comes to streaming. I don't have to leave the house to watch movies. And now, like, currently, even though there's, a lot of things happening in the world right now, as far as like gas prices and things like that. The only thing that's been up is travel because people were locked up for so long. Everything was in lockdown for so long. People are still spending the money to go and travel and do stuff like that. Um, So I think that like, it's an overcorrection, right? You lock people up. Don't allow them to go anywhere, do anything. They watch everything that they can on Pixar, Pixar, on Disney Plus, whatever it may be. Now they're traveling. They're not spending money on going to the movies or anything like that. And besides, like, first of all, who wants to take children to the movies? Let's be fair. Who wants to go to a movie filled with children? Let's be fair. And whenever you are putting movies on for children at home without even really thinking twice about it, you're just putting something on for them to watch to keep them occupied. It's like, you know what I mean? It probably would have fared better if they did a simul release with Disney Plus in theaters. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like, the dude should have expected this to happen. You know what I mean? Well, it made almost $500 million. But, yeah, well, about. It's the only yeah. the twelfth highest grossing film 
It's got to be number one. And, you know, just like they're just like with Star Wars and with Marvel, Pixar is in the same cluster there. Their demographic are, 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 are older people. Like there's a large older audience that, you know, that, that were out, you know, we were, we were all the, the same age when like Toy Story dropped. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a whole demographic of folks our age that like that's they love that shit. That's their thing. Yeah. Um, Disney has a massive grip on on all the age demographics now. Yeah. And even on their original content, I mean, it just be that way. Yeah. That and and the thing is too is like. I mean, with Pixar and with Disney Plus, like, I don't know. We, we're still, like, we're still going to watch those movies. We're still going to watch those movies with our kids. But, like, you look at these, like, Toy Story is an established franchise at this point, you know? Yeah. Like, and I know that Pixar kind of goes outside the box and they make original you know, things and all that kind of stuff. But like back in the day, you would get a Pixar movie ever. How often it was like a five to seven year gap between Pixar flicks, right? Because it took so much time to make a Pixar movie. And now they can just pop a Pixar movie out in like a year or two. So every year, every two years we're getting Pixar. So are they oversaturating the market with what they're doing? And is that oversaturation causing a, uh, loss of quality. Oh, oh of interest. course. I mean, it always happens. Uh, quantity over quality always turns into poor performance. Yeah. Um, are they saturating the market? If you want to compare it to like the way they've been pumping Marvel and Star Wars, because let's be fair, it's Disney, so they're not moving at quite the pace. But as opposed to, you know, Pixar used to be like an event. When that movie came out, it was a big deal. You had a massive marketing campaign. For crying out loud, you'd be growing through the you'd be going through the grocery store, you find apples promoting the damn thing, you find a soup can that's like, you know, it's this movie's coming out. You're like, Oh, all right, well, whatever. I just wanted beef stew. But uh that being said, I think that they will probably continue down this path, make the same mistakes that the other two studios have done. And then they're going to come out and go, all right, guys, we flooded the market. We're going to scale it back a bit. We're going to focus on quality content. And because I don't, I mean, I feel like where we live, just like just the region that the three of us are at, I feel like it's almost returned 100% back to normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of non, like, there's a lot of contactless stuff, but let's let's be real about it. That stuff was coming regardless. The pandemic just sped it up. Like, you know, the other day I was at a gas station and, I literally sat my stuff on like a little thing that weighted or scanned all the items 
I paid using like it's like I was I was using a, like a self checkout, but there was a, a dude behind it just talking to me like, "All right, man, have a good one." Yeah. So, yeah. That being said, you know, it's it's something. It all harkens back, I think, to one of you or Adam's original comments at the beginning of the pod, and it's just that people don't as much as we enjoy films and going to theaters, the general audiences have slowly stopped giving a shit about going to the theater to watch a movie. Yeah. It's usually a school function, a church function. Or it's yeah, a date. Yeah. Or it's a, it's a genuine movie goer, like a a genuine movie. Like, I don't know. I don't want to call it a cinephile, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like Barbie did well. Yeah. I mean, it made over a billion dollars. Yeah. But but that was also a movie, though. People were dressing up. Well, people loved it, and then, like, there was a large audience that went and said, we love this movie because it wasn't what it was expecting. It, or You know what I mean? Yeah. It's well, exactly dude, they were like showing a... trailers for that animated movie during, like, NFL. Yeah. I remember seeing it, maybe even at the Super Bowl, and I'm thinking, this ain't your audience. Yeah, like exactly. how much of these commercials? The movie made three hundred million dollars after the budget was two hundred million. They made about five hundred million. Yeah, and they're still like, "Well, you we could have done better." Yeah, well, it well, it's because you know Disney is one of those companies that think that they should be able to shit out a billion dollar movie every quarter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like nobody asked for this movie. It, well, well, the fuck's it even about? You know? Well, and the thing is, is like I'm I'm looking at their Wikipedia page on releases for Pixar, and we'll go back to 2018. So 2018, Incredibles two came out. 2019, Toy Story four came out. 2020, Onward and Soul came out. 2021, Luca came out. 2022, uh, Turning Red and Lightyear came out, and then 2023, Elemental. And I've only like, seen yeah, like one of those. Right. And, and it was Toy and Story. So, yeah. So in 2023 is like, there's only one release here. There's one announced for 2024. There's actually two announced for 2024. But like, I've seen, or I've seen stuff on Onward and Soul and Turning Red and all that kind of stuff. You know, it is what it is. But like, all of these flicks, except for Toy Story 4, are on a no watch list around here for a lot of people. And I'm not going to dive into the politics behind that, but like maybe that has something to do with it as well. Well, and, and yeah, yeah. to just to not dive into to that, but with the, with the inclusion of, of politics, obviously, especially with Disney being right with their own fair share of controversies that's happened over the past few years that we've all seen and read in various stuff about Star Wars and we've even brought up about it. Um, but on on a, on a creative level, if you think about it, old Pixar movies, each movie had like it looked different. Yeah, yeah, it, oh yeah, for sure. They had distinct art. You could tell that. You could tell the time that that you know it was given TLC. Yeah. If you go and you link up the past few films, even looking at this screenshot, you could copy and paste 
these animations into different movies and you, you, you know, you wouldn't be any, any different. You, you wouldn't know any of the, you wouldn't be any of the wiser about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you're, and, and it's 100- a quality did. Yeah, you're a hundred percent correct. Because if you look at screen grabs from Elemental and put them up next to Turning Red, you wouldn't know the difference. If you put Lightyear up next to Incredibles two, like you wouldn't, other than like recognition of who the characters are. Like if you took randoms or whatever you want to call it from each movie, it's like. But whenever you go back and you look at their past, it's like okay, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo. Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, like all had a similar art style, but very unique across the board. And it's like they've just like, like you said, melded all of that together to make the quote unquote Pixar look. And now everything looks like Pixar. And it's, and I mean, that's stale. Who wants to see like part of what, or at least for me, maybe it's just because I'm I'm older now. If I'm gonna sit down and watch a family movie like this, you know, if it looks like the same movie we've seen ten times over, then or if the story is a story we've seen a million times, then with it being a CGI film, you're kind of hoping the art's gonna pop a little bit. Yeah, right. And it's a shame because you would think Pixar would be leading the charge in animation um, in terms of uh, innovating it and executing it. Yeah. And then you go watch that newest Spider-Man movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. uh, That Sony put out and you're just like, what the, what, what happened? Pixar, you know? Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, they did a good job of making you not even really like, they're they were they're such a massive influence in these types of films that now when you watch a DreamWorks movie, other than maybe the tone and some of the innuendo that a DreamWorks uh, animated film might have there, mm-hmm. um, most people just assume it's Pixar, you know? Yeah. Even the films that aren't Pixar. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, I think if you lined up all these movies all their movies and gave us a like just just a moment like a shot on in the article that we're looking at here um uh like for instance uh when you scroll down to uh the photo that's of the baseball team mm-hmm. i mean that's what i that's what got me thinking about it. it's like if you if you lined all those films up took a screenshot you would start seeing that quality just become the same yeah. And and I would say that even stuff like in Elemental, I'm sure they're going to have the same animation style and the face structures, like all that. I don't know. I know I feel like I'm pulling, like I'm splitting hairs at this point. But I think there's something to be said for, for the originality and the quality of Pixar now as opposed to then. Yeah. No, I agree. So, I mean, it sucks, I guess, that they lost or gained $300 million, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess it's uh, first world problems, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Speaking of problems, 
I don't know if this is really a problem or not, but Jake Gyllenhaal, Henry Cavill, and Isa or Aiza Gonzalez to lead Expendables-like action movie from Guy Ritchie. So Liongate has landed a new Expendables-esque action movie from director Guy Ritchie and starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Henry Cavill, and Isa or Isa Gonzalez, all of whom Ritchie uh, has collaborated with before. Uh, which should have action movie fans very excited indeed. According to Deadline, the studio won the project in a lucrative deal and will now handle domestic distribution of the currently untitled action movie, with principal photography having now wrapped. While plot details currently remain under wraps, a source close to the project has reportedly revealed that, quote, it has an element of the expendables to it, which su- which suggests that the trio of Gyllenhaal, Cavill, and Gonzalez will form part of a mercenary team tasked with saving the world. Guy Ritchie, who just this year released the likes of Jason Statham flick Operation Fortune and Guy Ritchie's The Covenant starring Gyllenhaal, will produce this untitled project alongside producing partner Ivan Atkinson and Black Bear's John Fredberg, or Friedberg, both of whom were on board uh, The Covenant. We are thrilled to once again be partnering with the entire Lionsgate team, whose passion and ambition for the film are very clear, Guy Ritchie said in a statement following the Lionsgate deal. We are excited to extend and build on our relationship with Joe, Adam, Nathan, and Charlotte to bring the film to audiences across the U.S. So next year, we've got the Guy Ritchie Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, um, which he had co-wrote and is also starring Henry Cavill, so I'm excited to see that. But I'm hoping that this has that pan ass, that Guy Ritchie pan ass, you know? Because oh, I mean, sure will. <laughs> well, like he does these, like you know, the one with uh, Statham. The his name was Dougie. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it kind of had a hint of that Guy Ritchie flair to it. But like the gentleman yeah. was like the last thing that he put out that was full on, you know, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. And it would be cool to see him put his flair, his his tone, his whole deal onto an Expendables-esque type of action movie. So I'm surprised Statham's not casting this, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, like, he, yeah, like he might show up, you know. His name is Dorky. So, but yeah, I'm down for this. And I really do want to watch that, uh, the uh, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. I think that that's going to be a good fun time as well. So, um, so also... Gyllenhaal is uh, set to lead the remake of Roadhouse. Um, Interesting. Yeah, which finds the acclaimed actor starring as Dalton, a former UFC fighter who takes a job as a bouncer at a bar in the Florida Keys. Much like his 80s predecessor, Dalton soon discovers that not everything is what it seems in this tropical paradise. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) we've got that to look forward to, I guess, you know, so... But yeah, I'm down with this. I like Guy Ritchie. I like Gyllenhaal. I like Cavill. Mm-hmm. Gonzalez is great. True. So DT Dub, you know? Speaking of something that I'm super looking forward to here, Bioshock live action adaptation gets an exciting update from the writer. In an age where video game adaptations are soaring in cinematic success, a wave of anticipation grows as we await news about the big screen adaptation of the revered video game Bioshock 
Michael Green, renowned for Blade Runner 2049, has shared some news about the movie's progression. Just a year ago, the talented director Francis Lawrence informed Collider that Green would be the genius behind the screenplay, but the movie's development faced an unexpected obstacle, the Writers Guild of America strike. The good news? The strike's over, and Michael Green has spilled some beans about where things stand. During a conversation with Collider and for the promotion of Blue-Eye Samurai, an animated Netflix series described as a traditional samurai saga revolving around a vengeful mixed-race swordmaster. That sounds like, um, what was that show that came on Spike? Afro Samurai? That's kind of what that sounds like. Green provided insight into the progress of the Bioshock adaptation. He jokingly mentioned being wary of Netflix legal hounds uh, when discussing the project, but emphasized the streaming giant's unwavering enthusiasm for it. You have to measure your words, and you'll start to see a laser pointer in my forehead from the Netflix, from the Netflix legal. Netflix has been amazing about it. They were excited about it before the strike. They're excited about it now, post-strike, Green revealed. He further added that he's been actively collaborating with Francis Lawrence's team to polish the draft up. This is what he had to say. Yes, I got called the how's it coming along the minute the strike was over. You about ready? Been meeting regularly with France, uh, Francis Lawrence and his team to refine a draft to go back in. We're all optimistic. We all love it. It's a great big sprawling nightmare world we want to see real. So here's hoping. I'd love to have an update for you soon. And then they give a full guide breakdown of the Bioshock, what it is, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for this. This probably won't be out until like 2025, but I'm still like, I'm ready for it, you for know. Real. I'm so ready, dude. So next up, uh, Fede Alvarez reveals Ridley Scott's reaction to his Alien movie. So Fede Alvarez seems to be on the right track with his upcoming Alien movie. The franchise created by Ridley Scott in 79 is always looking for new ways to expand, except for when Bloom, uh, Blomkamp's involved. And the Urugu- Uruguayan director is one of those chosen to continue the legacy. The Alien Saga has become a global phenomenon, releasing a total of eight movies, a long list of short films, web series, as well as books, comic books, video games, and much more. A new film and also an original series for Hulu are currently in development and will bring even more expansion to the sci-fi saga. Although Scott only directed the first movie and recently returned as producer for Prometheus and Alien Covenant, His opinion on the development of future projects is very important to everyone, especially Alvarez. For this reason, the director sent one of the first versions of his film to the original creator of the story so that he could share his opinion. Fortunately, it seems that Alvarez's work was more than satisfactory. During a recent panel at the DGA Latino Summit with Guillermo del Toro, the director of Alien Romulus revealed Scott's reaction to the material that he sent. So I was like, there's no way I win this one. I was going to go there and sit at a table and look at him and get it. Even if he was going to say, you destroyed my legacy, I wanted to be in front of him and see him in the eye. I didn't want to get an email where it says Ridley Scott, Ridley says he walks into the room and he did, and he did say, uh, Fede, what can I say? It's fucking great. For me, it was like my family knows it was one of the best moments of my life to have a master like him who I admired so much to even watch a movie I made. 
but particularly something like this, and talked to me for an hour about what he liked about it. One of the best compliments he said was, the dialogue is great. Are you the writer? Yes. So yeah, says here that despite having been originally conceived to be released directly on streaming, Alien Romulus will hit theaters in August of 2024, being the ninth installment of the franchise. Few details have been shared about the film, and in fact, it is not confirmed that the official title is Romulus, so it may change before its premiere. Fada. But yeah, right. I'm excited about this. It sucks that Blomkamp didn't get to do, you know, his his flick. I would have loved to have seen, you know, his version of like where the series would go after, you know, Aliens. But I like this dude. And this is the dude that did the remake of um, Evil Dead. He did Evil point? Dead, Don't Breathe. Oh. Yeah. He went in so, there and he was like, El Guillermo was like, make him tell him to your face. Yeah. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> Look, this dude looks like, at first glance, I thought it's not going to let me copy the picture. But if you look at his profile picture on uh, IMDb, at first glance, he looks like dude from 30 Seconds to Mars. Um, Oh, God. What is his name? Jared Leto? Yes. At first glance, he looks like Leto with a beard. That. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is this? No, it's not the same person. So You might be acting. <laughs> He's acting. Tell him to your face, Guillermo. <laughs> Guillermo. So last up here, Lucasfilm and Marvel Studios were forced to announce Star Wars and MCU projects before they were ready. Mm. So Star Wars and the MCU are two of the most important and ambitious ambitious franchises that Disney has on its hands. Logically, it is therefore no surprise that the majority of the studio's announcements are often focused on new titles from one franchise or the other. According to a new report, though, it seems like the urge to unveil new stories can sometimes cause the premature announcement of upcoming projects. More than 10 years have passed since Lucas decided to sell Lucasfilm to Disney in one of the most important deals of this century for the entertainment industry. Since that moment, the Star Wars universe has expanded impressively, developing a new trilogy of films, spinoffs for the big screen and the small screen, and new sagas like the Mandoverse. The Mandoverse. I've never heard it called that, but yeah. In fact, other Lucasfilm titles like Indiana Jones and Willow have also ventured into new territories, although they have not fared as well in the last year. Similarly, Marvel Studios massively increased output under the ownership of Disney with the Marvel cinematic universe growing to become the biggest franchise in the world, as well as the continuing cinematic saga releasing up to four movies a year. The dawn of Disney plus saw the arrival of several TV shows such as WandaVision, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law and Loki. It's never mind. It's wild that that that's what they went with there, but okay. Yeah. Being part of the largest entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And bitch. <laughs> Being part of the largest entertainment company in the world can bring a lot of pressure for anyone, even Lucasfilm or the equally ex uh, expansive Marvel Studios. In the new book, MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios, Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Gavin Edwards detail how both Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige were forced to announce projects for their fan bases that were not ready in order to meet Disney's demands during Investor Day back in 2020. 
So Kevin Feige and Lucasfilm chair Kathleen Kennedy appeared on screen to announce a dizzying number of new projects. Both Feige and Kennedy were pressured into announcing projects that were nowhere near uh, ready, some of which have since been canceled or significantly overhauled and delayed. Uh, during Disney's investigation, What investor- a crock of shit. What? Well, like all of that. Like that, to me, that's like them going, uh, like after years of people criticizing their shit, they're like, well, it's not our fault, guys. It was Disney's fault. Well, it says here that during Disney's Investor Day in 2020, Kathleen Kennedy took the stage to announce Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka, Andor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Star Wars Visions, Lando the Acolyte, uh, Star Wars A Droid Story, and Rogue Squadron. While most of these titles have been released, some have fallen by the wayside. Among those that did move forward without problems were Ahsoka, which recently released on Disney Plus to high acclaim, as well as Rogue One's prequel Andor, Obi-Wan Kenobi brought Owen McGregor and Hayden Christensen back to their fan ba- to their franchises and Star Wars visions and animated productions surprised fans in the best way possible. The Acolyte is one of the next projects coming to Disney plus along with skeleton crew Rangers of the new Republic for its part appears to have been canceled as has the rogue Squ- squadron movie, which Patty Jenkins was set to direct. However, rogue squadrons position is still not entirely que- clear and many reports delivering con conflicting details on whether the project will ever go ahead. Star Wars A Droid Story and Lando still appear to be in development along with other newly announced movies coming in the next few years. Ironically, Marvel Studios announcements made during that same Investor's Day event have all come to pass mostly due to interwoven fabric of the MCU narrative, which allows less opportunity for projects to be dropped. Although the return of Bob Iger to Disney last year seemed to slam the brakes on Marvel's runaway train, with the release timeline of many projects being dramatically slowed even before the onset of the WGA and the SAG after strikes. But I remember when this happened. I remember talking about all the things that they, that, well, that they were going to be releasing. And it's like, dude, like, how can you... How can you make a 10-year plan? Like, I get it. You want to make a 10-year plan, but Jesus Christ, you know? And, you know, out of all those, like, granted, the uh, the Mandoverse, that stuff's good and all. But really the best, like, side content that Disney's put out through Disney+, Plus, because um, I'm not going to count clone wars like they just came in and did a final season and put it out like that that's you know what i mean right but like the to me the two best shows were surprisingly not live action they were visions and tales of the jedi like those were both great like when i think of like a star wars show on a streaming service i'm thinking stuff like that like anthological little like one and dones that like none of like none of the episodes in that were really in either show were overarching like you could pull in or pull it up and uh you know dive into any of the myriads of episodes yeah and you know if you're a fan you're gonna be like oh okay so here's that moment if you're not like they're still good yeah Well, it's just, it's crazy, though, that, like, I mean, look, I get it, you know, 
but like at the same time, it's like, I don't know, even with a project as big or a property as big as Marvel and, um, and, uh, Star Wars, like things change so quickly. I mean, look at, look at what the Mandalorian alone has done to Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like it completely yeah. changed what Star Wars is and kind of what rewrote their timeline and, I mean, and their direction. Jonathan Majors and Loki. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, I understand that they're going in, at least Kevin Feige and the, the MCU camp is going in and they're look, look here, we're going to do a 10 year plan. We're doing King the Conqueror. We're going to do all this kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. But things are changing so drastically. And you know, that, like you said, they came out and they're like, we're not going to cast one person as King. We're going to cast a bunch of different people as King. And then Loki happened and they're like, we're not casting a single other person other than this. Yeah, he was Kang's. Yeah. So like things happen. Public reception is still a thing. You know, well, it's, it's in, just, it's kind of like, and to kind of zoom out to a larger picture too, I think, you know, we've seen those articles where supposedly Disney is having some, you know, pretty heavy financial problems going on. Mm -hmm. And hence why we got Iger back in the seat. Well, when you think about it, Disney owns the two studio companies that probably carry the budget of some of the most expensive blockbuster films like each yeah. each studio when they put out a movie or need a movie in development those are really fucking expensive films man yeah and poor Loki decision making who was 141 million dollars i mean i mean that's a movie budget yeah yeah well well Worth spent it. yeah but here's Absolutely the thing though. money well spent on the hills of what you're saying, Trav, it's like Disney can afford to do things that no other studio can do. Of like course. They, yeah. They, they have the ability and opportunity because of the amount of revenue that they have to fast track things. And it's like once, like when they try to start fast track and stuff, like look at the star Wars trilogy that came out, they start fast track the star Wars trilogy, we get the first one comes out. Oh, it's good. You know, it's, it, it's a lot like a new hope, but you know, it's fine. The last Jedi comes out and people lose their freaking minds. Don't understand it. Don't want to, don't even want to give it a chance. Give it the time of day that it deserves. They pivot and then they release just a, a clusterfuck of a sequel to that movie, just to be completely honest. And it's I like, still, to this day, I still think last Jedi is going to become one of the most, it's going to be up there with Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I genuinely so, think so. I think the longer it breathes, yeah, I think the turnaround's going to happen. Right. Because to me, I totally get all of the diehard arguments about Luke's characterization, all of that. I get it from their angle. Mm -hmm. But I also get it from the deconstruction angle as well. Yeah. And I also, 
like when you actually watch that movie a lot of the things that happen you're like that kind of makes sense if you think about it yeah right so and to to kind of go along with that it's like if you're going to like try to fast track stuff the way that you're doing it and like let's put pandemics aside let's put strikes aside let's put all of that aside like you have access to the greatest creators in the entire world on the entire planet you put these people in place to make these incredible things for you and because of the public reception then you shut everything down and you try to pivot in real time and it just doesn't work from a creative standpoint like that you either have to go one or two routes you have to release it in a slower cycle and engage public reception and then pivot before you even start writing the sequels to it, or you just put it all out there as it was intended to be and live with the public reception of it at that point. Disney's trying to fast track and slow track movies at the same time. And what they're doing is they're losing viewers, they're losing money and they're losing quality. Yeah. And I mean, with the name like Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, there is a very high standard for quality. Yeah. And I agree what you said that, you know, Disney obviously has the revenue. Yeah. And access to those creators and stuff. But I think they, like, they don't have enough people to cover that spread, no matter what the output no matter what the revenue intake is. Because, I mean, you got to think, too, a lot of that revenue coming in is also very much legacy-based. Like, it's, you know, it's those constant uh, re-releases of the Disney classics on Blu-ray and all of that stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, mean, like I said, though, you know, or like you said, you know, it's... They can do, they certainly can do things other uh, corporations can't in terms of the industry, but yeah, it's just, it's a mess, you know? Well, and this is what I'll say to finish it out. They've got to pick a lane. That's what they've got to do. They've got to pick a lane. They've got to stick with it. They either have to go the slow track, react dynamically, do what they got to do there, or they have to just put it all out there. This trying to play both sides and then blaming other people, pointing fingers at other people, all that stuff is making them look worse and worse and it's causing them to hemorrhage money. Agreed. And and I agree 100% with what you said about Last, uh, Last Jedi. I think just like with the prequel flicks, whenever that film has enough room to breathe, it is going to be considered right up there with Empire, in my opinion. But... You can't take the knee-jerk reaction of the internet into account every time that something gets released. You just can't do it. No, not, I mean, and you think the world would have got like gotten that memo, but no, nah, man. And what sucks now is that with the rise of reaction people, um, you know, just just people being able to just put their just the influencer world, yeah. If if so, if they don't like something and they watch it and they they do their quick little thirty second just got out of the theater guys that type of thing, yeah, and they shit all over it, 
man, that shit's going to roll down a mountain, you know? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people do it for clout. I mean, we yeah. saw that growing up before the internet was really that prevalent. We saw people that would go to movies just to shit on them. We went to the movies with those people and watched them shit on them. And then you see them post five, ten years later on Facebook and other social media how great this movie they shit on ten years ago is. Like, it's yeah. just the way, it's just a vicious cycle, so. For sure. But I'm ready for trailers, though. I wanted to add in, because we watched Loki in the news, uh, Jonathan Major's accuser mm -hmm. to be charged with assault seven <laughs> months after his arrest. Dude, did you oh. see that video of Jonathan Majors breaking up that fight? I did. Those two Those chicks that were fighting. fighting? Yeah, and he got in the middle of it, and he's, he's like, like, hey, it ain't worth it. He gave him a talk. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this dude, you know? So. He, like, pointed one. was like, go in the corner and cool down. So she is getting arrested for domestic violence. Yeah. I mean, there was reports that came out that was like, dude, he was trying to help her, and she beat the shit out of him and then locked mm -hmm. herself in a closet. So, I mean, I ain't going to comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it all comes out in the wash. I'll say that. Started fighting Jonathan Majors. <laughs> I had to get Kang. <laughs> Oh. Almost ruined his career. <laughs> oh, God. Anyhow. But, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for trailers. All right. <laughs> Trying to ruin his career. Leave the world behind. I think... I remember that we watched one of these... I'm a, I'm excited about this. I mean, it's an Ethan Hawke movie, dude. Yeah, it's about to unspoken get deliverer of the goods, you know. Oh shit! It's our boy. We may have watched this trailer. I remember this is that a different, shot. Okay. Yeah, this is a different trailer. Got some uh, cabin in the woods. Yeah. Kind of vibe going on here. I don't recall us watching this. We did, because I remember that shot where they're standing outside, but not this full. It was like a teaser. It's all Teslas. I mean, a pretty loaded cast, man. It's got the bacon. Top of the bacon, man. Yeah, I remember the the red stuff falling. Definitely a lot more added. Uh, I 
I personally am interested enough that uh, I'd like to throw this on the check that out or the mm-hmm. the the pile or whatever. Yeah, I'm definitely down to watch that. Comes out in December, man. That's what happens when you eat too much salt for you to go to bed. Oh, you get no. I thought salt burn was whenever you put the ice cube in your hand and That's you put it. the salt on and you squeeze it as yeah. hard as you can. You get like a it, blister in your palm. I thought it was, uh, you know, one of the one of the newer uh, deathcore bands. Salt burn. Oh yeah, I think, I think there's I think, a eight five six video of this band live. Yeah, they're going sure. toward a white chapel, you know. <laughs> 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 guy from uh, Game of Thrones, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What's with that eyebrow piercing? That, oh, that's dude from uh, Eternals. And uh, Joker from the Batman. Oh. <laughs> hmm. I'm in. I think this guy rolls up to Saltburn and literally fucks everybody. Like literally, or yeah, like it, that's what it seemed like. Every scene seemed like a setup scene. <laughs> Even as him fucking the person in the yeah, like, it, like he don't give a shit where he's swinging. He's just landing on something he so wants. That's what you do when you're a Saltburn, isn't it? Yeah, you go to you go to Saltburn, you fuck whatever, you know. Saltburn's what happens when you don't use lube. It's a bit moist in there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I do want to check that out. It looks good. Sequel. The boys are in the boat. 
The salt burn? Yeah. <laughs> These Christmas. guys are about to haul ass across the lake, I bet. Dude, I watch this from time to time. Like, if I'm over at somebody's house and they're watching, you know, the Olympics or whatever, watching these dudes row these boats immediately makes me want to go lay down and take a nap. <laughs> you get tired? Yeah, dude. Legit. I'm like, they're putting a lot of core work and upper Burn body. carbs. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. I mean, they ate like three biscuits before they got on the boat. They got like skinny legs, but above the waist, they're swole. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're all upper body, no lower body at all. Yeah. No top leg. Heavy. They they skip leg day every week. You know, he's a bit top heavy, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he toppled over, wouldn't he? Bet you foods a muffin, huh? I'm ready. Boys in the boat. Yeah, already tired. Ugh. Wait, was that? It was. Ooh. From director George Clooney. Interesting. Yeah. Washington Huskies. We're going to state. I mean, they're on meth. The captain Mm -hmm. looks like he could be related to Conan O'Brien. Yeah. It's his little brother, Danny O'Brien. Just use the original. Yeah. Tom Petty's rolling over in his grave. I mean, it don't look bad. Yeah. Oh, time for one of them to drop, you know? Yeah. A little feel good. A little biopic. A little one of those 19, you know, early 1900 movies. My favorite part. Yeah. What's that? I was saying saying those early 1900 movies where it's someone that's like, 
you're gonna have to go the distance in this and it's like i can't do it and it's oh, like oh you're gonna advance on it dude yeah you're gonna <laughs> overcome the obstacle and learn a little bit about love along the way that's my favorite part is learning about the love dude <laughs> <laughs> well, that movie right. be- well the movie before that's gonna be way up your fucking alley yeah, exactly <laughs> so i want to watch it have we got another napoleon trailer yeah this is trailer two my favorite part i've already mentioned it is that he's just doing his normal voice yeah Maybe. he don't give a shit he's not putting anything on he's like yeah i'm not doing that and it's Napoleon. like a big movie yeah didn't really like, Scott do I think so. Yeah. You know. Well, and nobody knows. Like, he probably Napoleon didn't even will. go by the script. He's like, oh, I got it. <laughs> well, so nobody knows what Napoleon sounds like. So well, he doesn't he's sound just... like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> I, I just know that. I mean, you're right. But I mean, still. he's just, he's on here. He sounds like he did on that interview with uh, David Letterman. You know, we put oh, the gum God. on the table. He's just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like, but he's gonna kill it. I mean, I'm, I'm ready. Play it. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, he's just regular. Yeah. I'm kind of down for a Napoleon flick, though. I mean, I don't think yeah. we've had one. No. So. He's <laughs> like, come on now. Wow. Okay. The British are coming over here with his hat. That's kind of cool. He's going around finding treasures. Uh oh, there's a treasure. Mm-hmm. The way he <laughs> looks down. <laughs> you talk about low and slow. Yeah. Double crown. <laughs> Double crown on a Tuesday. Yeah. Who is she? She looks familiar. Vanessa Kirby. It's probably going to be pretty good. Probably long. Mm. Oh, yeah, dude. He's going to kill it, man. Yeah. Snappy Owen. 70 dude. millimeter. Yeah. Large wow. for me. Kind of like finding a theater, you know? Uh, this has... If they if they get those wide shots of like just the armies battling it out, 
if we get a ton of those, that's going to be my, that's probably going to be right. contender for my movie of the year, man. Oh, they're going for an Oscar. Where yeah. you see where the, the, the different formations. Yeah. Like if, if you, if, if they go in and show just how good of a strategist he was, which it mm. seems like they are, that's going to be insane. What was that game? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was like Napoleon, man. Yeah. Every time. Motherfucker. There were yeah. several times, dude, where you were like, fucking Napoleon, dude. Here he comes. <laughs> it was either it was always either Napoleon or fucking Gandhi, dude. Of all people, Gandhi. Gandhi? If you allow, yeah, if you it, it was in like uh three. He's out there like three. pushing peace, but they're like, we're taking over. Yeah, but if you allow him to advance to end game, he will nuke your ass. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Oh but it's a, I mean, it's a real thing, dude. You've been nuked by Gandhi. <laughs> yeah. W. <laughs> no. WMDs. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. The reason, yeah, the reason I dropped this was it had her. Uh, Hugh Jackman was the thumbnail, and he's dressed like Crocodile Dundee. I don't know what's happening. Didn't watch it. Okay. This guy, ew. Oh, what up, O Jackman? And this guy, her. She's an Aussie, right? I think, I think so. so. Mm-hmm. All right, let's peep it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Has an age today. No. Look at him. <laughs> I like the way it shot. Yeah. Oh, Baz Harmon. Ah, the guy did the Elvis flick. Yeah. Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Great Gadsby. Does have a look. Yeah. It's the car from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it looked like it. Yeah, it did. Okay. Crikey. This was shot on a straight up green screen. Yeah. Where's the volume? Had to be. Happy song. Dude, this is like an English translated Bollywood film. Yo, Baz, how about you go back and release that long cut of Elvis? Yeah, right. Quit fucking around with this. What a line. The only thing you really own is your story. It's not annoying. Hey, Jack. 
All right. Just got a oh, huge it's a show. <sighs> I'm a watch show. This has, if you uh, were the last. That dude, uh, what was that uh, Twisted Metal show? Anthony Mackie? Yeah, he's in this. That's why I dropped <laughs> it. Dude, that shit was good. You need to go watch uh, that. Oh, no, man. I got so much on Just don't watch. get online for like two weeks. You watch I it all. I mean, I could, I mean, really. Disappear. For two weeks? Just, I'm taking time come back. off, guys. You'll come back in a week, like, watched it all. <laughs> all the Rogers, Jones, the... Marina's mad at me. Yeah, don't. Ah. Yeah. Shook it over. Yeah, I think so. Potatoes. So they're on another planet. Got to be a love story, right? Hey. At least you ain't alone, baby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I could get by with it. Damn. They're going to fall in love. I don't like the tone of this. It's way too happy. I mean, you in a different area code, zip code, galaxy code. What is our galaxy code? 8675309. I mean, dude, you put me up there. Yeah, right. With a lady. Yeah, yeah. And we're adrift in space. Marriage goes out the window. We're having space babies. Like, like you're well, like you're never gonna see your wife again. No, I mean, and anything could happen at any moment and destroy the the ship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, all bets Might are well off. Get it in where you can We're fit populating. it. In, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's about to get popping now. I'm gonna feel sorry for the ones that want to do that down the road because <laughs> it's yeah, gonna turn right. into a fucking wrong turn real quick up there, but. <laughs> Uh, well, with space, it might have different outcomes. Maybe the gravity. <laughs> I'm In just space, saying. no one bangs their cousin. Yeah. All right. I, I had an ad there. I don't know about you. I did too. Yeah, I backed it up. I like how that ad just plays through the video. Yeah, that's my favorite. Ghost. Ghost of the Void. We'll see. Tedra Millen. Milan. I don't know him. Paper. Notice the vacate. What the fuck's an eviction notice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember sleeping? this. Sneakily effective. <laughs> Somebody's fucking with him. Oh. What the fuck is that? The devil, Trav. A lot of <laughs> awards. Roger Ebert was like, it's sneak, what do you say? Sneakily's. Ruddy Mysterious. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> Ruddy Mysterious Part 2. 
<laughs> I mean, their little van loft setup looks. What's he say? What do you want? Your soul. <laughs> right. Am I right? Yep. Well, here's Your my thing. If if you get an eviction notice and you have to sleep in your car, just you know, off chance you have to sleep in your car, whatever. Why are you doing it in the middle of the woods? I'm not doing it in the woods. No. I'm probably near like a Walmart that's got Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or a McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sleeping in the middle of nowhere. Nah. So that was their poor. That was a bad lieutenant decision. Yeah. Yeah. That was their. That was their bad lieutenant. So. Y'all ain't ready for this. Monster NATO. Is this real? I sure sure ain't ready. But I feel like. so I've remember Sharknado? I got a father mm. that's going to eat this one up. So, oh, yeah. It's a sci-fi flick for sure. Indie. But Sharknado, and there's sharks in this NATO. But there's everything. <laughs> bears. So bears. Everything. Shark- I went straight to bears, too. <laughs> yeah. Fall in there. Alligators. Like, it's just, you'll see it. Fuck that. It's hard to get a good shot at this thing that comes out right here. I can't. I never get a good look at it. Right here. What is that? Kaiju? Uh, that's, yeah. Give me the Department of Homeland Security. It's that easy. <laughs> this dude's acting his ass off. Give me the Department. Look. <laughs> Look at it. Aerodactyls. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is that? Scorpions. I think. Those are the no, those are the things from Clover. Those face huggers. Oh, look at this CGI. <laughs> we need to go. Look, I told you there's an alligator. I just guessed. That alligator was doing a slide cancel. Yeah. Unregulated slide cancels over here. Octopus. So they're not really monsters. They're like, it's like predator nade. Oh. Shoot it. You did or shoot me. Yeah. Clever girl. We're watching This has got a little shame in it. Oh. The chick from Game of Thrones. Every yeah. time I see her, I think, shame. I ring the bell. Get <laughs> <laughs> your whip out. Shame. We'll start throwing turnips at her. Yeah. <laughs> so where is MGM Plus located? That's the that's the back lot now. MGM back lot. I didn't even know they had a streaming service. Yeah, right. Wow. So there's that, you know. Yeah. Nobody watches it. All right. It's it's a sci-fi. It's a sly fi. Look at her. Shame. Coming up out that thing looking like Coella Deville. I wouldn't say that's okay. It's full of Dalmatians. 
las vengas. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cersei, a lot has changed since the Seven Kingdoms fell. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Look, why is this dude just here? He's like, you've crashed. Who are you? Look, he can't be trusted. The beacon keeper? The beaker. Ah. Uh, the 23rd. Mm, okay. Oh, that tells me everything okay. I need to know. I mean, it's sci-fi. This has got to be a show, right? This can't be a movie. Oh. That guy shot him with a smoke ring from a vape. <laughs> He's another new vape trick. He's clouds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's water. It's a lighthouse. That was, where's my stapler? Where's my staplers in this? And he's still asking. Need me. <laughs> I burned the building down. <laughs> Burn the building down. No. He said, they tell me to go to the basement. I said, no, I'm not going <sighs> to the basement. Oh, this guy that's playing Elvis on this ad. I don't know if it's the same ad for everyone, is it? No, I had oh. the Snoop Dogg ad. So the guy from Snoop Dogg? Yeah. The guy from yeah. Saltburn that was like had the eyebrow ring was like, You go to fucking Saltburn, dude. Yeah. He's doing he's the guy that's playing <laughs> Elvis in the Priscilla movie. He's an open comer, I think. Is everyone ready? Yeah. All right. I was gonna count it down. Look at this oh, color. <laughs> Blown out. Let's go. <laughs> we turn this up. Dude, there's a guy in a minute that's hilarious when he talks. Uh-huh. Mm. hopper. They stole the text from Apocalypse Now, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll let it slide. Uh-oh. Uh. Damn. Uh. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> so intense. Wylance. Wylance, Wylance, Wylance. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, you thought the trailer's over? Nah. Mm-hmm. Some folks call it a Kaiser blade. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see the Bollywood version of Sling Blade. Oh my God! People call it a Kaiser Blade. You know, it would just be, (laughs) and it would be like all blown out, all blown out, distorted. Ah. All right. Closing it out with the black and then. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to check this out. Shit, yeah, that's on Halloween, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Y'all good? Y'all ain't going like trick or treating or something, are you? No, I gotta work that now, yeah. so I'll be you know. I was gonna try to take the day off, but nah. Got a lot of stuff going on. Yep. I think it's you a, know. it's been a good little month. Yeah, we haven't had a single dud so far. We're rounding it out uh, with a comedy? Yeah, a comedy horror, you know. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be scary. The trailer was great. Yeah. So, you know. But yeah. I mean. Next episode of Loki. The Blackening. Fucking pumpkin spice lattes in the mail, right? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why you put it in the well. Raise the damn flag. <laughs>